Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. Today's show is entitled, A Polygraph a Valuable Tool. But before we get started, I just wanted to mention uh, last week I uh, talked about the disappearance of Austin Taylor Pice, the San Diego University student that was attending school in Madrid, Spain. And as we all know now, his body was found a few days ago. It's very sad, and I'm sure all of the listeners will share with me in sending condolences to his mom and his dad and the rest of his family. So today's blast from the past question is who was the first full-time professional polygraph examiner? Have you ever taken a polygraph examination or what is commonly known as a lie detector test? Today's guest is private investigator and internationally known expert polygraph examiner and former FBI special agent Jack Tomarco, and he will discuss this very controversial topic. Just some background on Jack. He's been in the U.S. Air Force, was a deputy sheriff, a patrolman, a detective, and then he became a special agent for the FBI where he was trained on the use of polygraph. When he retired, he was the program manager for their Los Angeles field office, and he received numerous commendations for his exceptional performance. And then following his career, he served as inspector general for the U.S. Department of Energy polygraph program. He's conducted over 25 polygraph tests throughout the world. I think it's up probably another thousand uh, since he printed this on his resume. Uh, he's appeared on many popular TV shows, Oprah, Dr. Phil, 2020, Dateline NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and a whole gaggle more of them. Please join me in a warm welcome to Jack Tremarco. Hi, Jack. Hi, Francie. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining me this morning. Oh, it's my honor. Well, you're also a member of the American Polygraph Association and some other professional trade associations. I know you'd like to mention some of them. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm a member uh, on the polygraph side of my business. Uh, I'm a member of the American Polygraph Association, uh, the American Society for Testing Material, and uh, the American Association of Police Polygraphists, and, of course, in California, uh, the only valid state uh, organization is the California Association of Polygraph Examiners. And on my investigative side, I'm a member of uh, uh, CALI, 
the California License Investigators, uh, PICA, the Professional Investigators of California, and uh, uh, those, those organizations have served me well. On the national uh, scale, the National Association of Licensed Investigators, known as NALI. And, mm-hmm. and so these are uh, some good groups, um, well-respected, and uh, they've always been a rock on my investigative or my polygraph side to turn to for guidance or education. And you see that it does as benefits to belonging to those trade associations? Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's credibility, mostly. Um, usually these professional organizations have very high standards, and uh, not just anybody can join. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, uh, when, a, uh, when a legal professional uh, or, uh, or a, an investigative agency is looking for credibility, the first thing they want to know is what professional organizations do you belong to? Sure. And, and if you don't, then there's probably a good reason for it. Right. Yeah. I, I certainly agree wholeheartedly uh, with you, Jack. Uh, I also um, know, because we spent some time chatting a few days ago, that you have a very active family life, and you uh, wanted to talk a little bit about your family. I have a great family life. I've been uh, married to my wife, Nora, for 42 years, and uh, it was kind of unique the way Nora and I met. Uh, I was uh, in the United States Air Force uh, over in Italy uh, at a small detachment in northern Italy between Venice and Milan, and I was uh, a young 19-year-old, and uh, I kept hearing about this beautiful little blonde who would ride by on a bicycle every day, hmm. and uh, and I just had to get a look at her. All the guys were, were talking about how cute she was and how nice she was, and so um, with my uh, limited knowledge of Italian, I placed myself strategically where I knew she would pass, <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, ciao, Bella, uh, meaning, uh, hey, beautiful, and she just she just ignored me. She just rode right past, and mm. the sergeant grabbed me, and he says, you can't say ciao, Bella, to these, these young girls. That's like whistling at them. <laughs> uh, you have to be more formal and say, buongiorno, good day. So the next day I tried it again, and I said, uh, I said, buongiorno, and she smiled and said, buongiorno, and went on her way. And uh, about seven months later, we were married. Just like that, huh? Just like that. Well, not exactly just like <laughs> exactly that. Mom and Dad like did, really did not want her uh, to uh, date an American because she was the baby of the family by 10 years and uh, very protective of her, and they, they felt like if she fell in love, she might uh, leave uh, the country and certainly their relationship would be different forever. And that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. Although, uh, when they were alive, she went back on a regular basis to see them, and and that was always the rule, that there would always be money for a plane ticket for any reason. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, of course, the rest is history. We have three beautiful daughters, all married and and successful. Uh, And uh, we've got two beautiful granddaughters, uh, and they're um, the uh, apple of uh, Nano and Pop Pop's eye, Caitlin wonderful. and Carly. That's wonderful. And I, I, I know that uh, you have told me that you felt like you've always lived a charmed life. Well, uh, Francie, uh, most times when organizations ask me to come in and speak, they want me to speak about 
major cases that I've been involved in with the Bureau in my career, mm-hmm. uh, or polygraph, uh, or how to know when someone's lying to you mm-hmm. uh, without a polygraph. And uh, But every once in a while, there's a group that says, you know, just tell us about you, and, and that's easy. I am one of the luckiest men in the world. Um, throughout my life, I've just been blessed. And, um, gosh, to, to begin with, I was... I was not supposed to be born. My mother was told after seven years of marriage uh, to my dad that um, you w- she wouldn't be able to have any children. Hmm. And uh, they were at a wedding one night, and they were up on the uh, bandstand in those days, and they were doing the jitterbug, as I'm told, and Mom lost her balance and went off the end of the bandstand onto the floor, and everyone was horrified, and they rushed to her aid, and, and she was embarrassed, but she wasn't hurt. And that night, my father was amorous, and uh, nine months later, there was little Jackie. So that's how my life started. And um, with a start like that, um, you've got uh, how can you lose? an amazing, an amazing uh, life to follow if, if everything goes as planned. That's, that's wonderful. And, I, you know, and you and I talked about how sometimes it's nice to hear nice stories. I know our subject today is about polygraph, but I just I thought I liked your story. I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Well, let's talk about polygraphs. Um, what, are, what purposes, Jack? Well, first of all, let me just ask you before we get into the details of polygraph, how did you end up going to polygraph school when you were with the FBI? Well, Francie, um, I, I spent seven years in Billings, Montana, uh, with the uh, Yellowstone County Sheriff's Department, mm-hmm. and and I really learned about people and how to treat people um, when you've got that badge on. And it's really not very different from when you don't have the badge on. You know, you treat people the way they treat you. Sure. And I learned from some of the best, um, really genuine people who were tremendous law enforcement officers. And I also learned um, how to get people to tell me the truth. And, and basically, it's just by um, listening to them and empathizing with them and pointing out the fact that it's probably the best thing to do at this point although sometimes it wasn't, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned to rationalize to them what they did, minimize the seriousness of what they did, and then blame someone else for what they did. Before you, this is before you ever did polygraph? Before polygraph. Okay. This was just, just learning the tools of getting to the truth. And, uh, and so, again, learn from some of the best about getting to the truth without the polygraph. And then when I became an FBI agent, I had a Bachelor of Science in in psychology, um, never imagining what I would use that degree for, uh, but I became a hostage negotiator for the Bureau and held that spot for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I was on the SWAT team, which put me into situations where I could use the negotiating skills. The... um, uh, profiling, uh, I, I did criminal profiling for about six years before polygraph. And uh, then I uh, was called up to the special agent in charge's office one day. Uh, I was on the, what we call the reactive squad. That's the, that's the uh, squad that is most coveted 
by agents who were former police officers. In other words, that's what you read about, the kidnappings, fugitives, extortions, and uh, that that is just the squad. And I was on that squad, and again, I was blessed. And so when the uh, special agent in charge called me up to his office, he said he had an opening in the polygraph uh, unit, and he wanted me to go back to polygraph school. Um, as he said, you can teach anyone to, to run a polygraph test, but you can't get... Um, you can't teach everyone to confess. And, mm-hmm. of course, that's the third part of a law enforcement polygraph test is, is running the charts, coming to the conclusion whether they did it or not. And if they did it, then uh, transitioning into a touchy-feely interrogation and hope that somewhere along the line you get that person to tell you what really happened. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he knew that I was a good interrogator, and he asked if I would go back to polygraph school and and I had some misgivings. First of all, I didn't know if polygraphs even worked. Uh, okay. I'd never been polygraphed. I'd never seen a polygraph. Mm. Um, and so uh, he said, well, it's a four-month school. It's at Fort uh, McClellan, Alabama. It's right in the middle of summer. It, it will be very hot back there. <laughs> but when you get out of there, you will be um, in a position to become one of the best polygraph examiners in the country. The the, the curriculum, the instructors are just world-renowned. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, I went home to my wife, and I said, I said, Nora, um, I have an opportunity. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to do anything without your approval. And she said, as she always did, hey, if you think it's the right thing to do and it's good for your career, then do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the boss called me at the house, and he said, I just want to let Nora know that you will be sharing the Honolulu road trip out of Los Angeles. And that was the straw that uh, put us over the top. <laughs> that did it. And so seldom did I ever go to Honolulu where I, we didn't buy our own private ticket for Nora to go along with me, and she would uh, do the touristy things while I did uh, work for the FBI. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. And by the way, Francie, after a week of being back at the school, the deal was if I didn't believe in it after a week, I had the option of coming back. No harm, no foul. How long did it take you to to believe in the process? uh, Three or four days. Yeah? Three or four days. um, uh, I told everybody back there I may only be here for a week, so make me a believer. And if I believe in it, uh, I'm staying. And so I called uh, Larry Lawler up, and I said, Larry... um, you couldn't you couldn't blast me out of here. This is unbelievable. It works. This is and he great. Chuckled and this he said, a, "I know." This is a good time for a break, Jack. Uh, expert polygraph examiner and private investigator Jack Tremarco is educating us in the use of a polygraph or lie detector. Stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. 
It's the largest association of its kind in the world. Cali's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact Cali at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. My guest today is Jack Tremarco. Jack, uh, you and I were just talking about how you came to be a polygraph examiner. Tell us now what what purposes is a polygraph actually used for? Well, Francie, uh, it it all depends on what side of the criminal justice system you're speaking from. Um, Of course, law enforcement uses polygraph to eliminate people from suspicion Mm -hmm. uh, or to uh, give them investigative focus and should the person pass the polygraph test, and then that person would be put off to the side as a suspect, if you will. Uh, in other words, they're, they're, um, they're, they're placed in the category of not completely um, exonerated or eliminated from suspicion, but off to the side, and then let's go after someone that's uh, next in line. And and then if everyone passes the polygraph test, then you might go back and reevaluate the people that have already been cleared. But usually, Francie, the first time around, uh, if there's a, a pool of people uh, and they're suspect, uh, someone will fail. Uh, 
And then, of course, the law enforcement polygraph transitions into a, um, a, a soft interrogation. In other words, letting the person know that they failed the polygraph test mm-hmm. and that uh, there is absolutely no doubt in the mind of that examiner uh, or in the mind of the FBI that that person is involved in the abduction and the disappearance of that little girl. Interesting. That's called a soft interrogation. What's a hard interrogation? Well, uh, Dennis Franz, uh, NYPD Blue. Um, okay. Uh, Hill Street Blues before that. Dennis Franz is the Antichrist uh, for interrogation. Mm-hmm. You know, Dennis would crash into the interrogation room. Uh, he would uh, go over to the suspect. He would slap him in the mouth. The suspect would confess, and then they'd break for a commercial. And, of course, uh, all professional law enforcement officers know that it doesn't work that way. Right. Uh, people, uh, people don't confess under those conditions, usually. And if they do, of course, it's going to be thrown out once it gets to court uh, for a suppression hearing that the, uh, the confession was coerced uh, or forced from a person that uh, um, may or may not have done it. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes defense attorneys ask their clients to take a test, correct? Defense attorneys quite often in my practice um, a turn to polygraph. They want to, um, they want to convince uh, a prosecutor or a judge that their client didn't do it, or perhaps they just want to know, did my client do it? He's, he obviously is lying to his attorney if mm-hmm. he's the bank robber. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the attorney wants to know to put together a a viable defense plan uh, whether he did it or not. He doesn't want to be surprised in the courtroom, and so they might hire me to polygraph him and then let them know. Now, uh, their hopes are that he'll pass, and when he does pass, uh, then in uh, my practice, uh, there's a videotape, a professional report, and everything I do is quality control reviewed by uh, Ron Homer up in San Francisco, who uh, was a longtime polygraph examiner for the FBI up there. And Ron will get the charts in the blinds. He'll score them. And usually we come to the same conclusion, and then that becomes very powerful uh, for an attorney to present to the DA's office that you've got the wrong guy. And uh, I always... um, will advise defense attorneys if there's DNA or if there's if there's a solid case against your client forget polygraph because uh, polygraph is only used in cases uh, where nobody knows what really happened um, if there's DNA save your money spend it somewhere else polygraph is not going to change anyone's mind and uh, he's probably going to fail the test if there's DNA right. don't do a polygraph test yeah for sure and and so then it's also used for screening for governmental agencies, correct? Right. It's used um, uh, the FBI, most most of the federal uh, agencies polygraph applicants, um, usually to make sure that the examinee uh, hasn't lied on their application, uh, that the examinee uh, is not someone from a non-U.S. intelligence service that's trying to get into the agency as a mole. Um, usually, uh, these federal agencies have drug guidelines. They don't want anyone that's got an extensive uh, drug history, mm-hmm. although those guidelines have changed over the years and become um, 
a, a bit more relaxed than they once were. Uh, in the early days of screening, the FBI didn't allow any drug use. And so uh, young people were failing the polygraph test when perhaps their drug experience sure. was just experimental. And, uh, and they would fail the FBI uh, exam. And then they would go down the street and get hired by DEA, whose guidelines were a bit more flexible. I see. And so, um, in its wisdom, the Bureau uh, became more tolerant of experiment, uh, experimental drug use and uh, just wanted to be sure that we didn't have big-time drug users or drug dealers um, applying for the position. So, it's accepted for pre-employment screening in law enforcement, the military, uh, national security issues, but it isn't accepted in the private sector for the same thing. Right. There's a, there's a law from uh, 1988 called the Employee Polygraph Protection Act of 1988, and that was, um, that was um, supported and uh, propelled by uh, Senator Ted Kennedy, and his, his goal was to do away with polygraph testing across the board. And uh, the legislation um, was more surgical than that and uh, just made uh, polygraphing either screening for the job or uh, polygraphing once the person became an employee. Um, they made it against the law with some exception, and that is that there's got to be a, an economic loss to the corporation, and the person who's asked to take the polygraph uh, needs to... Um, um, have had access, obviously, mm-hmm. to the property that's missing. Like stealing the and, money from the safe. And, of course, um, uh, reasonable suspicion that that person uh, is responsible for the theft. And then once you have that, you can go forward with asking the person in a very formalized way if they'll take a polygraph test. And they have, do they have to sign a release to do that? So oh, yeah. There, there, there are forms that make sure that the uh, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed in this law. It's not uh, it's not a simple process. There's a lot of paperwork, and the person needs to know that they don't have to take that polygraph test, and uh, and there would be no adverse action taken against them uh, should they decline to take the test. Now, not to confuse that with a law enforcement agency, if the police ask you to take a polygraph test, uh, there is no Employee Polygraph Protection Act. That is only uh, a polygraph that would be inspired or requested by the employer. Right, but even in law enforcement, um, they have to do it with permission from the suspect, correct? Oh, uh, whether whether it's a suspect or an applicant, uh, Francie, I can't think of any situation over my career that polygraph was not um, completely voluntary. I see. If it's not voluntary, it can't be done. Okay. And I remember before the Polygraph Protection Act that um, polygraphs were done fairly widespread in corporate America uh, just on a, on a search issue. If there was high shrink in a retail store, then the company would bring in a polygraph examiner and polygraph all the employees. And really, uh, those type of abuses are what... Um, what caused the Employee Polygraph Protection Act uh, to become uh, part of everyday life. There were so many abuses. I mean, uh, these guys with a cigar in their mouth and uh, something that looked like a polygraph would roll up to the back of um, the convenience store 
and then the kids would be lined up outside uh, waiting to take their turn in the van. And, you know, some people would be thumbs up and some people would be thumbs down. And, of course, uh, uh, affected people's lives. And so that was, that was the embarrassing uh, early days of polygraph. And so although I think that the Employee Polygraph Protection Act uh, was an overreaction to the abuses, I think that overall that's a good thing. Well, Jack, how does a polygraph work? Polygraph um, works based on physiological changes. We know uh, science tells us that when a person tells a lie, uh, there's a process uh, that, that goes on where things change. Um, and I, I might say, Francie, that, that people want to know, you know, who's the best polygraph examiner um, in the country right now? Well, I always, with a smile, say mom is the best polygraph examiner <laughs> in the country. Absolutely. Because mom knows that little Johnny, when he changes, either verbally or behaviorally, she knows when he's telling a lie. So, mm-hmm. for example, a little Johnny wants a cookie before dinner, and, and mom says, no, uh, we're going to eat in a half hour, no cookies. So she leaves the kitchen, little Johnny looks around, he jumps up on the counter, he gets a cookie, and uh, then runs over to the corner and eats it as fast as he can. And then mom comes back to the kitchen. She sees the top off the cookie jar. She sees the crumbs. She sees little Johnny in the corner. And she says, Johnny, did you take a cookie? And little Johnny looks down toward the ground and almost into the fetal position and says, no, mommy. And mom knows immediately, based on the physical evidence and his reaction to her question, that he's lying. Sure. Because he doesn't usually answer mom that way. And the, the, the sad thing about little Johnny is he's going to grow up, and he's going to learn to lie better. He's mm-hmm. going to know that if he looks down at the ground and his voice goes down, and he says no, that he's not going to be believed. Mm-hmm. And so he becomes a better liar, and, uh, and there's a lot of little Johnnies running around out there. Okay. And so, um, so what a polygraph instrument does is it measures... Uh, physical reactions. Right, physiological reactions, changes. Just like when mom saw the behavioral change in Johnny and the verbal change in Johnny, the polygraph is, is measuring the physiological changes. In other words, uh, one of the autonomic responses, autonomic meaning automatic, uh, those are the things that, that um, sustain life without any conscious effort from us. And, and we... In fact, we can't control it, such as the respiratory function. Okay, hold that thought, Jack, please. Uh Uh, Have you ever taken a polygraph? Do you have questions about the process? Expert polygraph examiner Jack Tremarco is here to answer those questions, and we'll be back shortly. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. 
For a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call 1-800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. News. Opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. More of that polygraph with Jack from Marco. Jack, you were just telling us how a polygraph works and what kinds of things it measures. Could you... uh, right, Francie. What I'm, what I'm looking at is the respiratory cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the, the respiration is an autonomic um, function, which means it's automatic. Uh, we go to bed at night, Lord willing, we wake up in the morning. We don't have to think about breathing. Right. In fact, we can't control our breathing, which makes it an ideal channel to monitor for polygraph testing. When a person tells a lie, their breathing changes in a predictable way for a few precious seconds and then back to normal. Um, One of the other channels uh, and another autonomic function is sweat gland activity, electrodermal activity. Uh, When a person tells a lie, usually they sweat for a few precious seconds and then they're right back to normal. And lastly, the cardio function Um, Pulse rate tends to fluctuate, but more noticeable would be a rise in blood pressure coming back to a baseline. And again, this this term that I refer to, reaction, the way a person changes for a few precious seconds when they decide to tell a lie. Okay. 
What if you have a medical condition? Is there a safety issue? Uh, medical conditions such as pregnancy. Um, you know, a polygraph can be a, um, a, a, a difficult process to go through, uh, depending on the examiner, depending on the issue, depending on the person. And, and so um, most federal agencies, most police agencies have a, um, a policy that uh, without a doctor's permission slip, uh, you do not polygraph pregnant women and certainly not past the second trimester. Interesting. Um, for a couple different reasons. Number one, uh, you don't know uh, whether that polygraph process is going to affect that woman in some adverse way. And secondly, you don't know if those uh, very delicate physiological changes are coming from uh, the examinee because of her answer or if it's coming from the baby uh, in random waves. That makes sense. What, a, what about... Um... Uh, does being nervous affect the test? Well, you know what, Francie? Everyone that I meet in the polygraph room is nervous for one reason or another mm-hmm. on some level. Um, for example, the person who did not rob the bank and they're coming in to, to take the test because they want everyone to know that they're not the bank robber, even though they may look like the person in the photo. And so they come in and they're nervous and they hope I'm as good as I'm supposed to be, and they hope that the polygraph process works because they want everyone to know that they didn't do it. Now, the other group of people, we'll call them the bank robbers, the person who actually robbed the bank. He's nervous, too. He hopes I'm not as good as I'm supposed to be. Right. And he hopes that the polygraph doesn't work because he doesn't want even me to know that he's the guy that robbed the bank. So I meet two groups of people, and they're equally nervous, for two completely opposite reasons. But nervousness is to be expected within reason. You know, if you're bouncing off the ceiling or falling asleep in the chair, then polygraph is not going to work. But anything in between those two extremes is perfect. What if somebody has ingested controlled substances? Well, that might affect them, of course. Um, you know, we can talk about prescriptions or we can talk about illegal drugs. Mm-hmm. And in, in very sensitive cases where that may be a possibility, uh, then um, especially on the government level, there might be a, uh, a urine sample attached to the polygraph process. I see. But for the most part, um, you ask a person, you know, uh, what, what kind of uh, medical concerns do they have? Do they take prescribed medication for anything? Do they use illegal drugs? Have they used illegal drugs in the last 24 hours? Um, are you in any pain or discomfort at the time of the exam? Do you feel well enough to take this exam? How many hours of sleep did you get last night? Any of those things that can affect the physiology um, have to be delved into. And, and, Jack, what about the accuracy? What is the accuracy rate? Depending on what study you believe, but Francie, usually about 93% is accepted uh, by by most folks. Um, but it it really depends on the expertise and the education and the honesty of the polygraph examiner. If you've got an honest, experienced, educated polygraph examiner you can expect an exam to be around 93% accurate. Okay. 
But it's just like anything in life. Uh, you don't go to the Yellow Pages uh, if you've got a life-threatening situation that you need to prove you didn't do it. You don't go to the Yellow Pages and then call an examiner and say, how much do you charge? You can't go shopping in this world and in this profession for the lowest price right. because that's exactly what you're going to get. Absolutely. So if I ask you, why should I take a polygraph examination, what would, what would you say to me? Well, I would say that if you did it, don't take the polygraph test. But if you didn't do it, then you're in good hands, and we're probably going to come to the right conclusion. Now, if you go to Joe the Ragman down the street to take a polygraph test, and you pass, and your attorney goes to the United States attorney or to the, to the, uh, uh, the state's prosecutor, and he says, hey, my, my gal passed the polygraph test. Mm-hmm. The first thing that prosecutor is going to say is, what's the name of the examiner? Right. And if it's Joe down the street, uh, it's not going to have any effect on what they do. But if you have someone that's got a reputation in place that everybody knows, he does tests for the police departments, he does tests for defense attorneys, he does tests for governmental agencies, and everybody knows that when he does a test, he doesn't care how it turns out. It is what it is. Then you've got a chance at getting that prosecutor to drop the case. Francie, I've got a letter here that I received from a, a well-known attorney in the state of California. His name's Andy Stein. Okay. Andy wrote this to me not too long ago. He said, Jack, I'm writing this letter to express my gratitude for your tremendous, outstanding expertise in assisting in a date rape drug investigation, which focused on my client, who is a former National Basketball Association player. Your testing of my client and preparing him for the investigation and interview by the Huntington Beach Police Department led to the police department declining to even proceed to the district attorney's office with the case. Your testing, procedures, and reputation led the Huntington Beach Police Department to conclude that the victim was lying and that your conclusion that the defendant was telling the truth was correct. The cost of your test literally saved my client thousands of dollars in attorney's fees and months, if not a year or so, of aggravation. On behalf of my client and my office, I want to thank you for your assistance. Those letters are often received, and I like to post them on my website just to answer the question, if it's not admissible as evidence, then why do it? Mm-hmm. And as I said before, Francie, if there's DNA or a strong case against the client, forget polygraph. It's when it's someone's word against someone else's word, or the DA has some question about the feasibility of going forward. That's the time to polygraph. So let me ask you, Jack, if you were charged with rape or murder and you were, you were not responsible, would you take a polygraph? Absolutely. Really? I've taken polygraphs in my career. Uh, after my polygraph um, um, uh, appointment, so I knew about polygraph, and my worry was, not knowing the polygraph examiner, right. I, my worry was, how good is this guy? Is he going to come to the right conclusion? So that take, takes you back to nervousness. Even I am nervous taking a polygraph test, even though I know that I have never given classified information to someone not authorized to receive it. And, uh, and that was usually the issue, uh, always in connection with a higher security clearance or I'm to become ner- a polygraph examiner. Talk- I said, I'm nervous just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, so, it is it is nerve wracking, and and uh, and I understand that. I empathize with these folks who come in, so I try to make it informative. I try to answer all their questions, and I tell them right off the bat: no tricks, no surprises. Um, we are going to discuss everything before I do it. So by the numbers. Some, I'm sorry. Uh, can someone beat a polygraph test? Um, not. Not uh, against a, a federally trained uh, professional uh, polygraph examiner. Much of the federal training has to do with countermeasures or attempts to beat the polygraph test. Usually, on a modern polygraph, uh, those type of things are readily available and observable to uh, the examiner along the way. Um, the KGB used to be uh, my foe, my competition when I was with the FBI. Hmm. And the KGB officers would go to uh, countermeasure school. They would be taught how to muddy the waters of the FBI and the CIA polygraph process. And so we always had to be one step ahead of those guys with different formats and different techniques that they hadn't heard about. And uh, in, in my experience, uh, I think that every time I was up against the KGB uh, or someone from a non-U.S. intelligence service, um, the test turned out um, exactly the way expected, and that was that these people were in the country uh, against our national security interests. Mm-hmm. So, there, so when somebody tries to beat a test, there's, there are ways that you can identify that they're, they're, they're trying to do things that... Usually, yes. Uh, what, what folks do is they... They either try something that they've read or been told, and they try it too much, mm-hmm. or they try it at the wrong time, um, or it, it becomes very observable to the experienced examiner that's had training in countermeasure detection. And plus, in the, in the modern uh, computerized polygraphs with motion pads, um, uh, that's, that's one um, major advancement in the world of polygraph where folks sit on the pad and then that monitors their major muscle group movement and uh, that takes away um, um, a, uh, an area that was really abused in the past as far as countermeasure attempts. Interesting, interesting. You know, our time is just flying by, Jack. Uh, more from Jack Tremarco and the answer to the blast in the past historical question right after this break. Opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. 
for a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. That's it. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Time for the answer to our blast from the past moment, thanks to PI Museum and its curator, Ben Harrell. The question is, who is the first full-time professional polygraph examiner? That's aside from mom, actually. (laughs) The first full-time professional one who gets paid polygraph examiner. And the answer is, um, you want to give that answer, Uh, Leonard Keeler. That's right, Leonard. And I called him Nard, N-E-R-D, Keeler. He's actually born in California, North Berkeley, California, on 1903, died in 1949. Uh, interesting side point is he insisted on appearing in the movie called Call Northside 777 because he was so absolutely positive that no Hollywood actor could ever properly operate his polygraph. Mm-hmm. So uh, he appeared in that film as the polygraph examiner. And then there was a polygraph called Keeler Polygraph that he and a man named John Larson uh, both developed uh, jointly. Did you know that uh, as well? I knew that John Larson was one of the early pioneers regarding the continuous 
uh, recording on paper of the physiological responses, but I didn't know that Larson and Keeler were actually uh, paired up. Yeah, they joined together. The first instrument was actually just scratch tracings onto a fragile smoked paper, which then had to be shellacked and stored in metal cans. And I'm not sure I can pronounce this word, uh, spegmomonomer? Spigmanometer. <laughs> yeah. The spigmanometer. Okay. Um, and is, it was is, called is what you're is what you're looking at uh, to determine how tight the blood pressure cuff is on the uh, on that brachial artery. Okay. And because people at the time couldn't pronounce that word either, <laughs> they called it a spig. The spig. Yeah, spig. Yeah. In the 1920s. Mm-hmm. And then it was followed by some other instruments. Um, actually, PI Museum has uh, an instrument was donated by my husband, Randy Ontiveros, uh, model 301 and 302, and uh, it was inter- introduced in the 50s in the collection at PI Museum. So that's kind of fun. Um, Leonard Keeler, or Bernard Keeler, retired in 1938, and he founded the Keeler Polygraph Institute, the first polygraph school, and ran that school till his death. Mm-hmm. Francie, you, you mentioned uh, uh, the movies. Um, that that just uh, just uh, brought up an interesting thought, and that is that you know we all see these polygraph uh, quote unquote polygraphs on television, mm-hmm. and for the most part, they're garbage. Okay. Um, you, you, you cannot run a polygraph test in front of an audience. You cannot get out there in front of God and everyone and all the viewers. Uh, a polygraph is a, is a private, quiet, devoid of distraction, and it takes about two hours. So these, these guys that do the thumbs-up, thumbs-down thing, uh, or who wants to marry my dad, and, right. uh, and mom and dad are sitting in the room when they're asking the fellow if he's if his intentions are honorable and, you know, the thumb goes up and the thumb goes down, all of that is garbage. Um, uh, I, uh, as you might know, do the polygraph examinations for the Dr. Phil show. Right. And I have for the last three and a half years. And uh, Dr. Phil, to his credit, said, hey, you're the expert. You tell me how you need to do it, and that's how we're going to do it. And so you'll, you'll notice that I'm never out in front of the audience with the polygraph. When I polygraph someone, we go off to a conference room or we do the exam the day before at my Beverly Hills office, Mm -hmm. and then I will um, go to the studio the next day to support the testing process and to tell Dr. Phil what the results were. But uh, it's, it's not your typical TV polygraph. It's a real polygraph that the results are then shared with the viewers on television the next day. That's good for our listeners to know. So is polygraph better today than it was 20 years ago? Oh, polygraph continues to get better. Uh, better training, uh, and as science, um, uh, and, and, and we have so many more scientists involved in uh, the um, detection of deception. Uh, in fact, the number one school and the number one governmental agency over the years has been the Department of Defense Polygraph Institute, which everyone knows is just the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and they train all of our federal agents. Um, now they have changed their, their title to the National Academy for Credibility, um, um, National Academy for Credibility Assessment. And with, in other words, 
if there's something better than a polygraph out there, we want to know about it. We're not going to be locked into polygraph. But last I checked, it's still polygraph, and that's what the uh, the federal governmental agency use in our most sensitive uh, foreign counterintelligence and terrorist cases. And you list, Jack, uh, a document that people might be interested in getting if they're interested in looking in a polygraph and um, put out by the U.S. Department of Defense, the accuracy and utility of polygraph testing. Mm-hmm. That's a good document to read. That's a great document. And uh, I would always suggest that anyone that has any questions about polygraph uh, call the American Polygraph Association mm-hmm. in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Okay. And they will be glad to send out um, uh, informational uh, pamphlets about truth versus deception, you know, what works and what doesn't work. Uh, right now, um, uh, we know that, that the only true lie detector the only true lie detector is polygraph. Okay. Uh, now, there are other things on the horizon. You know, we're, we're looking at brain waves and we're looking at MRIs and we're looking about brain function. And who knows? Um, there may be a breakthrough there. But for the most part, right now, it's, it's still polygraph. All right, Joe, that's our, our Jack. Nice, Joe, I don't know where that came from. Jack, that's our show. Uh, let me just say today's featured sponsor is IRB Search and a subscriber-based uh, information provider. If you're in the legal profession or interested in locating people or gathering data, IRB Search, Search's contact information can be found at picsdeclassified.com. Thank you so much, Jack, for being with me today. Very interesting. Thank you, I have you, so many more questions to ask you, but we have to close. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Thank you. Um, do you want to be a private investigator? Next week, my guest is private investigator Norma Tillman, the author of Private Investigation 101. Tune in as we de- declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIC Classified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.